from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray for her, even though she's not with me. (laughs) Father, we just pray for her now as she comes to preach uh, to us. Lord, would you uh, speak through her and may we hear your words clearly spoken to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So... We come to the fourth session in our series based on Michael Frost's book, Surprise the World, Five Habits of Highly Missional People. This week's topic is listen. It's actually the third of the five habits described in the book, but I like that we've placed it fourth in our series after bless, eat and learn. We've explored three ways of doing on our road to becoming a more missional people. But this is the topic that explores being. Being in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Encourages us towards a more intimate relationship with him, which will then inform and support our blessing others, our sharing hospitality, and will bring increasing depth and awareness to our learning. And this morning, I'd like to draw out just three aspects of intimacy with our Heavenly Father that deepen as we spend time investing in our relationship with him. And I'm going to use the prayer of Jesus that we read earlier in Matthew 6 to explore them. If you had your Bibles open, I'm going to return to this passage at the end, so you might like to keep the page open so that we can look through it together. But before we look at prayer in greater depth, what do we mean by listen? 
Michael Frost likens listening to the Holy Spirit like trying to hear a conversation in a coffee shop. There are too many distractions or interferences to hear properly. There's always another interesting conversation to earwig on, isn't there, in the next table? Or interesting characters. And there are phones going off. So he suggests, as many believers in Christ who have gone before us have discovered, that in silence and solitude, that in that time and space we intentionally create to sit in the presence of God our Father, we will be more likely to tune out the clamour of this world and hear and understand the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the fourth habit. Listen. To set aside a designated time each week to be intentionally in God's presence. As Psalm 46 verse 10 says, to be still and know that I am God. And although the writer of this psalm speaks probably in the context of war, it still gives us direction in the midst of our busy and sometimes chaotic lives and culture, and certainly in the news that we hear at the moment. Of course, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit constantly with us. But for me, setting aside time to listen, to contemplate, is that special time in a relationship. Each one of us has relationships with others. Husbands, wives, children, close friends, neighbours. Mostly, we rub along together, aware of their presence in our lives, even when we're not with them. Our relationships can shape us. Sometimes they define us. But there are times in our relationships when we do something special together or have a memorable conversation or have a shared memory. And those special times give added depth, leave us bathing in the memories they create, bring a special closeness. And over the years, I recognize that it's when I take time to listen, to keep company with God, that these are those special times in my relationship with him. And their influence spills over into my day-to-day life, as well as into times when I read the Bible or pray for others. I'll return to the Lord's Prayer in a moment, but let me share something of my journey One of the shoulds I've carried with me over the years is one I picked up when I was in the sixth form and was elected chairman of the School Christian Union. Now, I was the lone Roman Catholic and the rest of my team were Baptists. (laughs) You can imagine the theological discussions. And it wasn't long before they realised that I have never heard of Scripture Union, didn't know anything about daily Bible reading notes, or hadn't even heard of Every Day with Jesus. I had my prayer book with set Bible readings and passages to read, which I looked at with varying degrees of diligence over the years. And it wasn't long before I found copies of Bible study notes left on my desk. (laughs) or stuffed into my school bag. And then came a more direct encouragement and the accompanying should and ought 
to have a daily quiet time. You know, some shoulds and oughts are actually good for us, and this is one of them. And I thank my friends for introducing me to daily Bible reading and to the evangelical concept of a quiet time. And I discovered prayer meetings, solid, evangelical, intercessory prayer meetings. And to my shock, I discovered that as chair of the Christian Union, I was supposed to lead them. (laughs) And then, just a few years ago, another should and ought. The day I was ordained at Litchfield Cathedral, John Tiller said to me, you've made some fairly awesome promises today. You do realise that, don't you? And of course, one of those promises is that according to canon law, all ordained clergy should say the daily office. But it can be so easy to rush or to stay in my head and not let the words settle into my heart, to not take sufficient time to really dwell with a passage. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 in the message version says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's good news here. We don't have to get to that place of being worn out or tired to realise the benefit in learning the unforced rhythms of grace, to keep company with our loving Father, our Saviour Jesus, or to become increasingly aware of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And so I recognised another should. In fact, it's a necessity. To make space to listen. Listening prayer. Where I don't come with a list of prayers or with a plan to read a set section from daily Bible notes, or work through a piece of liturgy. Instead, to spend time keeping company with God. All we need to do is make space, to set aside time each week to sit in God's presence, to let a short phrase or passage from the Bible sink deep within, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak, to shape us, as we contemplate and cogitate. For some, it's a natural development of the evangelical concept of a quiet time and takes shape quite easily. But for others, to settle in God's presence for a regular period of time will feel more uncomfortable. All I can say is keep going. So, what are the three aspects of listening prayer that have particularly impacted me over the years. Firstly, a greater awareness of who Almighty God is, of what it means to call him our Father within the context of his mightiness. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's so much in these words for us to meditate on. And what does it mean to listen in that context? What truths might we dwell on as we spend time sitting in his presence? 
What might the Holy Spirit reveal to us? Here are some of the things I've discovered. This is the father Moses refers to when repeating before Pharaoh the words of God. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my people go. This is the father whom Jesus prays to in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the father we are called to kneel before, the holy God, who is worthy of our praise and adoration. But this is also the father who runs towards us. Remember the picture of the prodigal son we looked at a few weeks ago. Elder statesmen do not run. Those in authority do not run. Who has ever seen our queen run? But in the parable of the prodigal, we have a picture of fatherhood, of compassion, of love, of tenderness, of forgiveness. Running, as Luke tells us, to meet his son. As we think on the words, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We affirm the uniqueness of our Christian faith. The enormous capacity of our heavenly father to be not only almighty, all-powerful, all-creating, but also to be loving. A loving father who brings tenderness and compassion, love and forgiveness into his relationship with each one of us. Each of us has probably recited the Lord's Prayer more times than we can remember. Sometimes just as a, a routine act as part of a school assembly, sometimes as liturgy, sometimes perhaps more thoughtfully as we discern greater meaning in the words we say. And I suspect it's the same as we read the Bible or settle to pray. Sometimes it seems a perfunctory task. Other times it might be a sense of duty. Sometimes we rush. But then there are those different experiences when the word comes alive and it's as if it's been written just for us or for the situation we find ourselves in. It reassures us, strengthens us, makes us conscious of sin or bad habits. And as Martin spoke about a few weeks ago, the word teaches us. We are all learners on this road that we travel together. But to just sit with those few words of Jesus, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. For more than just a few minutes, to set aside our daily routine, to intentionally spend time in his presence, to let their meaning sink into our hearts, to gaze in wonder at the enormity of what they are saying to us, will change us, will disciple us, and will shape us. Returning to the Lord's Prayer, we read, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you will have heard me share this story before, so please bear with me if that's you. A few years ago, my daughter's godson was in paediatric intensive care on life support. Multiple organs had failed. The doctors told his parents that they were going to turn off the life support in the morning, that there was no hope. His parents asked my daughter to be with them when the machine was turned off. And as she left for the hospital in the morning, she said to me, 
have you got a message for them? They know I asked you to pray, even though they don't go to church. And I replied, yes. Tell them there is hope, that where there's life, there's hope. Now, those aren't words I would normally use, let alone in a situation like that. But I'd spent time keeping company with God, listening, not interceding. Somehow I'd run out of the words to say, the situation seems so awful. But I knew as I said the words that they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. They were birthed in that intimate time of listening prayer. And I knew that they were words that unchurched people might be able to understand. Later that day, I had a phone call. When they switched off the life support, he started breathing. Half an hour later, his kidneys started working. And by the end of the day, he was awake and the failing organs were recovering. Tom Wright, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, describes the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world and of bringing those two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross. And that's what happened that day. And so that's my second point. As we take time to listen, our gaze is led outward. We understand what is on God's heart. Our prayers and intercessions retune. We pray what is on his heart. And we speak his words to those around us. We minister his kingdom to others. And we have the courage to speak out. We were encouraged by one of the speakers at Spring Harvest last week to take that extra step in our conversations. If we're talking about plans for Easter or Christmas with an unchurched friend, to just add a simple question perhaps like, what does Easter mean for you? To be that little bit bolder without being overbearing. And I'm sure as we spend time listening, we'll become more aware of the Holy Spirit prompting us with a question or a comment, or even to offer a prayer. As we become more attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit, even in the busyness of our daily lives. And then thirdly, the Lord's Prayer continues. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins, as we say, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. The opening verses of Psalm 139 say, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. 
As we sit in the presence of our Heavenly Father, he feeds us with the daily bread of his word, with biblical truths to live by, brings added understanding. The Holy Spirit shines his light on areas we would rather keep hidden, brings conviction. We learn to discern his voice and recognize more acutely his voice and learn to reject the sounds of darkness. But change can be difficult, can't it? Especially when we know it will mean walking a difficult or challenging path. But as the psalm says, God knows us. God knows where we're at. He knows our struggles to change, to leave behind a bad habit or relationship. He knows when we're tempted by sin, and he knows when we struggle to forgive those who've hurt or wronged us. Isaiah 30 verse 21 in the Good News Version says, If you wander off the road to the right or the left, you will hear his voice behind you saying, Here is the road, follow it. As we spend time listening to God, we find the strength and confidence to say, Lord, change me. I'm sorry. Change my direction of travel from my way to your way. As my close friends will recognize, a while ago, I got caught up with what I saw as a big problem. And it took much of my attention. I worried. I splattered my thoughts over a few very forbearing and forgiving friends. I generally lost sight of where God was in it all. But as I spent time listening, sitting in his presence, I went to the passage from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, which talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as I thought about those verses, his light shone into the situation and I saw things in a new light. And my direction of travel slowly turned around from my way to his way. The bones of the situation didn't change particularly, but my perception of it did radically Spending time listening to God will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And fruit is a harvest that gives sustenance to others and seeds new growth. Drawing now to a close, a word of caution. John observed last week how a group of pilgrims recently televised making their way to Compostela ended their journey not at the cathedral, but at a cliff edge, whose name aptly translate as the end of the world, Finisterre. There they bathed in the beauty of creation, the satisfaction of a journey completed, of bonds of newfound friendship, all good things. But where, John asked, was the raising of eyes heavenward, beyond earthly things and earthly experiences. Where was looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Spirituality is quite fashionable at the moment. 
even amongst those who reject a belief in an almighty God. There's a sort of pick-and-mix approach, a bit from here, a thought from there, and each one builds a belief system that ultimately leads where? A melting pot of syncretic practices that take our eyes away from the uniqueness of the Christian message. So when we sit in his presence, we don't empty our minds. We don't embark on an inward journey where we seek to glorify self or self-enlightenment. We focus on biblical truths. Pray that the Holy Spirit alone will lead us into all truth. With the expectation that the light of the Holy Spirit will shine more brightly within us and that we will be ambassadors for Jesus to those around us. If anyone would like to explore listening in prayer in greater depth, then please have a word afterwards and we'll organise a session or two. But for now, how about trying it? How about spending a few moments listening, using the passage from Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer? If you haven't got your Bibles open, it's on page 970. And we'll move through a short time of listening, keeping silent. And we'll read the text, reflect on it, review it in prayer, and then finally rest in what we've understood. After a few moments, in each of those sections, I'll prompt us to move on to the next. But firstly, we pray as Jesus prayed in John 16, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into God's truth. Let's pray. Father, we give this time of silence to you. We ask that you will speak to us and that the Holy Spirit alone will guide us into God's truth. Amen. If you would like to read the texts of the Lord's Prayer slowly, maybe a couple of times, or just recite it in your head. <clears throat> 